Welcome to Sober Solutions. We are a weekly recovery podcast, not affiliated with any particular 12-step or recovery program. However, you may hear us mention them. My name is Jason, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Chris, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Ben. I'm an alcoholic and addict. And welcome back to Sober Solutions Podcast. Tonight is episode 32. And tonight we're going to explore the world of sober living. And to do that with us is Alex N. from Atlantic City, New Jersey. Hi, Alex. How are you tonight? Doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's very nice to have you on the show. And I know um, you're almost at uh, 11 months, so congratulations on your time. Um, Why don't you you. tell us a little bit about your journey? All right. Um, So, yeah, I'm Alex, addict alcoholic. Um, So I'll start from the beginning real quick. Um, I was actually adopted from Guatemala when I was nine months. I was raised by two moms, and uh, I kind of grew up in the rooms. my one mom, she is, uh, she's been sober for 35 years now. And my other mom, she was sober, but you know, she sadly relapsed when I was younger and she's still, uh, she's still out there. So, you know, that childhood, you know, it was really good. Um, in the beginning coming from that third world country and really just having everything given to me, you know, just someone, you know, give them a great life and uh yeah all throughout my life uh it was just happy you know until like third grade you know my parents started uh you know fighting a lot you know they were gonna get divorced and mostly because you know one mom relapsed and they just you know never got along really um and so they finally split up and you know that's when I feel like not my like drug addiction or alcohol alcoholism came in, but like I started being sneaky, you know, I started uh, being like dishonest and manipulative really towards, uh, towards both of them, you know, turning, turning them on each other, you know, just trying to get what I wanted, you know? So I feel like uh, lying was my first addiction and, you know, that got me out of myself, got me out of trouble and it really just uh, took over, you know? So I went on through my life uh, like that, you know, middle school, whatever. And by the end of middle school, I'd say like seventh, eighth grade, I really, I wasn't happy with myself. You know, I felt like I always never fit in. You know, I had friends, but it wasn't the people who like, you know, I I wanted around me. You know, I looked up to, uh, as people would call them, like the bad kids, you know, the hoodlums, really, that people would call them, you know, and I idolized that. you know, mentality that, uh, their lifestyle, you know, like growing up in the projects, all that, you know, like them having, having it not good, but like still having like material things, you know, like I just looked up to that and I wanted to be that person, you know? So like I changed the way I talked, I changed the way, um, I dressed, you know, all that. And, you know, I was always a follower, you know, never a leader. So of course, when they brought, you know, marijuana and alcohol into the mix you know I couldn't say no I uh that was what they were doing and you know that's what I wanted to to do that's what I wanted to you know show people that that's who I was um 
so yeah, I started, you know, smoking here and there. And I was always warned, you know, by my mom that, you know, this could, this could happen to you, you know, um, even though it's not like genetics because I was uh, adopted, but I do believe that, you know, that I have that gene. Um, but yeah, I started smoking and whatever. And, uh, I got in trouble. I got caught and my parents thought it would be a good idea to send me to Catholic school. They thought that would be in the shape, you know, like, uh, you know, trying to start my life over. So freshman year, I started, um, St. Rose high school. And that summer going into it, I did not, I didn't want anything to do with that. You know, um, I was just so scared. You know, I knew no one going into it. Um, I didn't know what to expect, but the first day I really turned it from being bad to good. You know, I was like, this is a place where I can, you know, I can shape who I am, you know, not who I was, but like, I can, you know, show them who I wanted to be, you know, and I came off as like, that hoodlum, you know, want to be gangster. And when I was, uh, yeah, freshman, all of that. And I began selling alcohol at school because I found out that I looked older than I was. You know, I was only, what, like 15 at the time, but like I can go into a liquor store and they'd sell me alcohol. So once I got my hands on that, I felt like the friends started coming in, you know, like, yo, nappy, you know, can you, you know, can you get me this? Can you get me that? Um, so I really just, I thought I had the power, you know? And of course I got in trouble all the time, you know, suspended, almost got kicked out, you know, for doing dumb stuff like that. But it just really, uh, that took over, you know, and all throughout my high school career, I was just trying to get over, you know, just being sneaky, just, uh, wanting to drink and use, you know, and, it really didn't start kicking in to like junior year where I just started drinking on the weekdays, you know, like I was staying with my mom who relapsed, you know, so she really wasn't paying attention a lot to what I was doing, you know, and I was uh, taking advantage of that, you know, her vulnerability, you know, um, and I was just drinking on the weekdays, you know, it was a weekend thing, but then it was just like vodka every day, you know, alone, just in my bedroom alone, you know, and, um, at first it was, you know, just have fun or whatever, but then it was just like drown everything out, you know, get me out of myself. So, uh, yeah, that just happened all throughout, um, junior, senior year. Um, and then senior year, I got arrested, you know, for marijuana and that really, that put a stop to my, uh, drinking and using cause I need to get this program, all that I was underage. So they sent me to this program and so I stopped and, you know, it's just terrible, you know, even though I got in trouble for, you know, using, I still wanted to, you know, it's, and I tried to, I was a dry drunk basically, you know, I was doing all that. And, um, and then I just said, forget it. You know, like, I'm just gonna keep doing what I was doing. You know, maybe I can do it different this time. Then insanity kicked in, you know, doing the same thing over and expecting different results. And I did that. And I got arrested again, same stuff, you know, and it just kept going on and on like that. And I wasn't doing anything about school, you know, not really caring. And that last time I got arrested was like right before I graduated, you know? So I had a, 
I always found a way to ruin occasions, you know, holidays, birthdays, vacations, just because of my drinking and using, you know, and um, yeah, I ruined my graduation. And it was just, you know, a bad way to end a year. And my parents, you know, went, bent, went against their better judgment and they sent me off to college, you know, and I had that all figured out, all paid for, nothing, you know, like I just had to go and, you know, do what I needed to do. And, you know, of course, I'll be like, yeah, I'll meet the right people, I'll do all that. You know, first day, got that first couple seconds, I was already trying to find people who could buy me stuff, you know? So that just, that was crazy, you know, like just having all that freedom to myself. You know, my parents gave me a credit card. It just went, you know, crazy downhill. And, you know, drinking, using, using other things, you know, trying to experiment. It just really took over my life, not going to class, all that. And then Corona happened. So I came home. Um, and yeah, of course, I'm not, I couldn't even do school in person. So I'm definitely not doing it online. You know, so I was just drinking, using all the time. Until this one day where I got like really drunk. And I, I think I hit my head and I fell in the pool. And like my parents were home, thank God. But if they weren't, like I could have drowned. You know, and then that was like really like, yeah, you got to go to rehab. You know, there's more things in the past, but like um, they just thought like, you know, he'll get in trouble enough, like he'll grow out of it. But no, that never happened. So the pool incident was like the last straw. And uh, I went away to rehab, did that. I told people what they wanted to hear. And it just um, didn't work out. I came home. I tried to be sober. I was really a dry drunk, you know, I was telling them I was going to meetings, going to see people that are sober, but not, you know, and then I eventually uh, relapsed, you know, thought I could handle it and thought, you know, um, control it. But now, you know, as soon as I picked up, it went right back to where it was, you know, and just stealing from work, you know, just, um, just ruining everything. So I went back to rehab in December and I really thought like, maybe I'll give this a chance, you know, because I didn't want to be this way no more. You know, there were times where I prayed, like, you know, God, just like, take me out of it, you know, and I didn't want to be alive no more. So I prayed for the first time, really. And I got sent to this program down here in Ventnor, um, Surfside, you know, that really saved my life. I feel like, you know, learn how to be sober, but having fun. So I did that, I graduated the program, and then I went and moved into an Oxford house where I'm at now. And I'm really just taking the uh, all the tools that they gave me from Surfside and doing it in my own life, you know? And I'm just grateful for where I'm at right now. I couldn't do it without, you know, my higher power, my network, my sponsor. I got a sponsee now, like it's crazy to see where I'm at now and to see like where I was, you know? So there's, uh, I definitely been growing and there's more growing to do, you know? And the biggest thing I really go by is a day to time. You know, I'm only 20 years old right now. You know, I feel like this is like prime years. People are doing all that experimenting, but I always took it to the next level, you know? So if anyone out here is listening and they're young, last thing I got to say is, yeah, take it a day at a time and it does get better, you know? Uh, you don't have to be sober for the rest of your life. You just got to be sober for today. So with that, I'm going to keep coming back. Thank you.
Awesome, Alex. That's that's really great. And, you know, for being so young um, and having the time that you do, it's very inspiring. It's very inspiring. Um, you know, I really identified with you when you were talking about, you know, being sneaky and how lying was your first addiction. I think that's an incredible line right there because I know for me, you know, just sitting in the house that I'm sitting in right now, I had so many lies and I was sneaking around or I thought I was sneaking around. I'm sure it was apparent to everybody else, but you know, I, I just wanted to hide everything that I was doing because I knew it was wrong, but I didn't care. I didn't give a shit. I still wanted to do what I wanted to do. Um, and, you know, I, I also liked how you were talking about idolizing the bad kids, quote unquote, or um, I think you called them a hoodlums. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, seeing those, so seeing those kids that were older than you having things that you wanted without doing the work to get them either however they were getting them um you know that became an easy easy win for you you know so i i really see how that became its own addiction you know and led to other things um you know one one thing that i'm interested to hear more about is you know growing up with two sober parents and then one real real sober parent did your mom have a big influence on you to get sober or did she kind of step back because i i've heard both ways right i've heard parents kind of take uh, a guiding hand in it and i've heard parents say you know i just stepped back i couldn't really say anything the worst thing for me was to watch my child have to figure out their own path you know so just tell us a little bit about that um yeah i feel like my mom and my stepmom she got remarried um they really they were in my life you know most of the time because i stopped being with uh the mom who was using and i started living with them full time so yeah they uh they did inspire me really you know they tried to bring me to the meetings you know and i didn't know what it was about you know and i wasn't really ready to understand it and then when it got deep into my addiction really my mom she just like accepted it you know she's like you know if he wants it he'll do it if not then you know i've helped him like it is what it is really but um yeah this time around definitely like she's kind of stepped back, you know, cause this is like, I feel like my last chance. I've had chance after chance after chance and I'm either going to do it or not, you know, it's my life. So, so yeah. Alex, the, uh, yeah, just echoing what Jason said about that first addiction being lying and getting away with it. I mean, that was, I always say that that's where my addiction really started. Fourth grade, waking up at, four in the morning to do my math homework instead of doing it when I got home from school because I wanted to go out and play. You know, that that's the, you know, that's really where it started for me. The thing that I love, uh, you know, about you being 20 years old, coming, you know, adopted, uh, being raised by two moms, you know, there is a lot in there that a young person wouldn't, uh, you know, 
to be able to process that, you know, to be able to handle all that, one, I think it's probably relatively easy for people to see, you know, a reason why you were trying to escape. A lot of questions there, a lot of things for a young kid to figure out. Then on the flip side, to find recovery and get it. And, you know, it's funny hearing you would coming up on 11 months, months, which is awesome. You know, you, you are like a, a, you know, poster child right now, all the, all the sayings, all the, the, the lines. And that's, but, but that's, that's beautiful because that's not being a dry drunk. That's getting in the midst of it and believing it. And at 20 years old, instead of living up to the standards of the, of the cool kids, you know, being sober is cool. So, you know, do you, do you, feel you know i know you said you don't have to be sober the rest of your life you just have to be sober for today you know do you was that a hard thing for you to get through this idea that you know you're gonna hit 21 god willing and and not drink like a normal or you know not celebrate like a normal 21 year old would you know get married one day you're not gonna you know drink at your wedding like is that something that you you know dealt with or is it did you just embrace that one day at a time and said nah screw it, we're just gonna do this one day at a time and We'll deal with it, you know, when the day comes. Yeah, um, definitely. At first, I felt that, you know, and that's where my sp- my sponsor is the one who actually told me that, you know, not the rest of your life just for today, because like, yeah, I was um, bringing that stuff up to him, you know, like like you said, weddings, parties, you know, the twenty first birthday. How am I going to get through that? But yeah, after he said that, I really have to take it in a day at a time, you know, and that helps me. Uh, stay in the moment, you know, stay present. Like right now I'm here. I'm just talking with you guys, you know, I'm not worried about what's going to happen next. I'm not worried about what tomorrow's going to bring, but yeah, really the day at a time thing. That's beautiful. Um, and the other thing I want to touch on real quick, you're talking, you, you've got a sponsee, you know, which is a, you know, it's a big responsibility. Um, you know, I, I've got one sponsee. He, he's all right. He, he he's he's a all right was well, matrix and, and he's he's a hell of a sponsee um but no i mean for me like that was nerve-wracking for my first sponsee it was a you know and i told him straight up i was like listen this is my i i don't know what i'm doing i'm going to show you the way i was you know shown and that's all that i've done you know i i really haven't deviated from how my sponsor showed me you know so you know, did, did you feel any of that pressure? One, being so young and two, being, you know, you've been around the rooms for a little while, but, you know, 11 months, you know, some people are, you know, get those old timers that are like, ah, don't say a word for at least a year. Well, you know, and, and then you're, and I, you know, picked up, picked the matrix up pretty much around that same time, 11 months. So what was that like for you? Um, yeah, well, it was a big responsibility, but like, um, I got asked to go and meet this guy and I felt like right there, like they, if they, that person didn't believe in me, like he wouldn't have asked me. So he definitely saw something in me. You know, he saw the work I was doing, the program I was working. So, uh, yeah, he put trust in me and, um, I was nervous, you know, of course the sponsor, sounds great, all that. But like once I really thought about it, like having that responsibility, you know, having to be accountable, um, you know, I really put like that in my mind that, you know, this is what I need to do. Like I have, uh, gone through the steps and now it's my turn to, uh, take someone to someone through the steps. And of course I was, I had a lot of things that I was worried about then too. Like, you know, my age, 
um, the amount of time I had. But again, my sponsor said like, it's not about, it doesn't matter um, with all those, all those things. It's just as long as you take them through the steps as you were. So ever since then, like, yeah, I, uh, I took that on and, you know, it's, it's going well, you know, and he, uh, he's definitely helping me as much as I'm helping him. I, I think that's brilliant and very well said, Alex, because I had a sponsee at, I think, four months. And it's because I finished my steps, I did them thoroughly, and my sponsor said the same thing to me. It's time to take someone through the steps now, because that's the epitome of this whole 12-step program. That's the 12th step, giving away what we have. And so I really love how you are taking on that challenge because I, I think you're absolutely right. It has nothing to do with age. It has nothing to do with your um, time in sobriety. It's the fact that you finished the steps and you're now able to take someone through the steps the way that you were taken through the steps. I, I think that's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. My first question is what made you make that decision to move into the sober living house? Um, well, first, honestly, it wasn't up to me. My parents, you know, they kicked me out. Like I was at Seabrook and they were talking with my therapist and they said, you know, he's doing real well, but he's not allowed home. And I understand that I put their house in danger. I put them in danger and, you know, they didn't, they don't go live that way no more, you know? And that was hard for me to wrap my head around because I didn't expect that, you know, but, um, yeah, like once I got to sober living again, you know, I was worried about, you know, what people would think of me and I don't know anyone, but instead this time I chose to be the real me, you know, who I really am deep down. And that really just helped me, um, you know, make real good friends, you know, close friends. And it's just, uh, it knows, I mean, it's telling me that like, I'm not alone, you know, really. Like there's many people that are trying to do the same thing that I'm doing and they're helping me out, you know, along the way too. So I'm glad that I finally made that decision. And cause I was supposed to go to one in Long Branch in Oxford house, but I felt like that was too close to home. Um, you know, where I was living by, but yeah, I'm grateful that I got to come down to Ventnor and in the Surfside, you know, so. That's just another, you know, impressive little bit there that, you know, you uh, were mature enough to say, ah, yeah, I'm not going to stick close to home, you know, to change, changing the, uh, the places. Uh, and, you know, that, that, that's a, you know, a testament to your, to your recovery and, and you know, what, what rehab did for you that time around. Uh, the, this, the, my first really exposure to sober living was when we were in rehab and one of the therapists there, he was answering a question to somebody else. And he, he was in a similar situation to me, wife, kids at home. And he's like, you know, what should I do? And, and the therapist was like, yeah, man, you should go to sober living. And I remember me and him were both like, what are you talking about, bro? We have wives and kids at home. Like, no, like we're, and it wasn't until you know, many months down the road that I realized that like, if I went home, I probably would have dove back into my old habits. It would have been a little while, but I would have done, uh, you know, I would have, 
I would try to show everybody that I was different and I would have tried, I would have tried to manipulate it. And it wasn't really until that, you know, that, that literally being put, put back into the, a bedroom that I grew up in that it was like, Oh God, like, no, a lot more has to change, you know? So from a, you know, so obviously sober living is, is doing right by you. You know, is it, um, do you feel that it's still a little, you know, they talk about that bubble in, in rehab. Do you feel any of that, you know, that it's still somewhat, you know, of a bubble that, you know, that there's still more real world out there for you to get exposed to? Or do you feel that this is, you know, a good transition into that? Um, I feel like it's a good transition into that, you know, like, I feel like, like the Surfside program, that was, yeah, a big bubble, you know, like really structured. Um, someone was always breathing down your back, but it was for the good, you know. It taught me how to um, come out into the Oxford House, you know, like now. You know, they suggest going to an Oxford House, like, um, you know, to transition into, you know, whatever, getting your own apartment, all that. But, yeah, definitely where I'm at now, uh it took a little bit. Like I was, you know, I was nervous, you know, like from going in there like six months um, being structured like that to being on my own, really, you know, like um, it took a lot, but I felt, uh, I felt ready, you know, I felt ready to do that. And I am, yeah, I'm, I'm living like in the real world, you know, I got to piss in the cup every now and then, but that's it really, you know, it's all up to me like what I do with my life, you know, like, like, you know, AC is like just down there. It's a 10 minute ride. So I could, I make that decision like every day, you know, not to, not to go there. You know, I can go anywhere in my car You know, I can do any, anything, you know, but I choose not to, cause I know where that will, uh, you know, I know where that will go. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds like, Sober living is not necessarily like the bubble of rehab, but enough of a support to help you get through these natural ways of reacclimating into life, you know, because one thing that I heard you say, or at least my interpretation of it was you have this built in community, you know, you have people around you that are trying to do the same thing that you are you know, trying to live a sober life, trying to make the right decisions, trying to avoid those bad decisions, like you were just talking about, not going into Atlantic City because you know exactly what going into Atlantic City would do for you, right? So, um, you know, talk to me a little bit about your community and the people around you that are um, doing the same thing. You know, have you been making friends? Have you been going to meetings to, with each other? Just tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I feel like down here in Ventnor, um, it's like, it's it's really like a lot of sober people and a lot of young sober people. Like my home group, GSY, Getting Sober Young, you know, like, and that shows that I'm not the only one with this disease, you know, that uh, is a young person, you know. So I feel like, yeah, like everywhere you go, um, people people are always there and ready to help you know as long you know they may might not know you but they're always willing to lend a helping hand you know give a number uh whatever you know invite you out to eat like it's 
after a meeting. Like it's uh it's great down here. You know, I met a lot of close people, you know, from the program I was in and outside of it. You know, and it's just uh it's a real cool place, you know, to get sober. So I'm happy about that. The uh you know, so so yeah, sober sober living, positive, great transition step. What would you say is been the hardest thing for you in sober living? You gotta be able to accept that not everyone wants to do this. You know, like it may be in the house, but like you don't know if they're forced to be there. You know, you know, or just they want to be there, you know? So I've seen a lot of people come and go and it's sad. You get close to them and then they'll relapse or something like that. Um, and then, but you want to help them as much as you can. Do, do you think that if you hadn't been forced into that position, you would, you would have gone into sober living or do you, do you think, it would, you know, cause I obviously talk about in rehab and, you know, Seabrook and, you know, is, or do you feel that that's one of those things where, you know, wasn't your will, but maybe maybe somebody else's will and, and, you know, getting you into that place. Like if it was up to me. Yeah. Like if, 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 they, yeah. if, if, if they said, Alex, where are we going? Are you, you know, are you going back home or are you going to sober living? I feel like I would have went in sober living because this time around, I, like, I was willing to do anything. That's a big thing. You could be ready, but like, are you willing, you know, willing to take sacrifices, you know? step out of your comfort zone you know so like yeah i was i was ready to do anything i needed to you know because i didn't want to live that way big kudos to you man and, and you know thrilled for you coming up on 11 months and you know you know when you uh when you hit that year let, let us know we'll uh we'll reach out for sure thank you yeah you know just to piggyback off of what ben was saying your choice to go into sober living, even if you weren't being pushed into it, um, I think really shows your willingness to work this program, you know, and your willingness to get and stay sober, you know, because I've heard this countless times. I'm sure the, the three of you have heard this countless times that we need to do whatever it takes to get and to stay sober. Because when we were active, we did whatever it took to get fucked up. And so the same has to be in our sober life, right? So I really, I really applaud you for that. And I love that you would have made this choice regardless if the options were available to you. So um, my last question for you, Alex, is... You know, along along your journey, almost eleven months sober. You know, you've you've already said some of these really great things, like one day at a time, and um, really, you know, take this seriously. Be honest. Um, what's one piece of advice that you would give a newcomer? You know, someone just coming into the program, someone within their first year of sobriety, like yourself. What's one piece of advice that you would give them? Um. I feel like, you know, don't give up, really, because there's a lot of hard times. Um, and even now, you know, with the amount of time I have, there's still days where I want to throw it all away. You know, like a thought might pop in, and I know I can easily do that, but you just got to think, you just got to look at the bright side, really, and know that it will get better. 
I think that's excellent advice. Excellent advice. And Alex, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Congratulations on your time. Um, I hope that uh, your journey continues and have a great night. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Thank you for having me. Wow. I just applaud him so much. You know, I mean, being 20 years old, going through rehab, living in sober living, having almost 11 months sober, being a sponsor, this kid is living his program. You know, it. he is living this program. And it's it's interesting how similar some of our story is you know i'm adopted um you know i always not so much when i was younger but when i was like maybe like 20s mid 20s i'd see all these people like not working and having all of this stuff and that's what i was chasing i was chasing all of this stuff i never knew where it came from now i do but I always wanted to be like, why can't I just like sit on my ass and have a new Lexus or, you know, stuff like that. Like it's crazy. Yeah. The, the thing with, you know, especially people that young in recovery, you, you, you worry if, are they going to hit those things of, you know, 21st birthday, uh, friends 21st birthdays weddings you know it, you know you start getting into the workforce and and now dinners and 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 liquid lunches and these are all things that they've never experienced but the thing is is that that's our experience you know or you should say my experience i'm turning that and i'm projecting that on them and it's not a matter of but you're not going to get to experience that because that's they've already seen the light. It's funny because when people say to say to us, because we, we are quite young, but, you know, when, when people say, oh, I wish I got it at your age, you know, I don't I don't wish that I got it at Alex's age because Alex got it when he was supposed to get it. And I got it when I was, was, was supposed to get it. And and that bottom was low enough for him at that point where he decided he had had enough. And he doesn't need 21. And you know what? I'm going to a wedding in a couple of weeks and I don't need to drink and I'm good with that. And, and so, yeah, man, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful thing that I just love because it's, it's just about committing. It's about committing. It's, it's not about anything else. I mean, and you know, the, the book says it. that's what every, you just have to have the desire. And once you have the desire, you find the commitment. And then once you have the commitment, everything else is, it's bullshit that's that's the one you know everything else is an excuse and to hear him be so open to be so vulnerable to say you know yeah there's some days that i wouldn't mind tossing it away you know and you know that's the kind of stuff that you know we've had guests on that are older than he is that have time that you know yeah you don't you don't hear stuff like that from from them because that you can there's that reservation and he doesn't have that and that's just the only way you recover yeah, totally. You know, there was a lot in what you just said. That last point was, you know, he was so open with his honesty, right? And I was actually driving down here to the beach today. And for some reason, a thought popped into my head, like, man, I'm really going to miss drinking this summer. And I was like, where did that come from? Like, where did that come from? You know? And there's 
not a time that I would throw it away because, you know, I was just talking about this yesterday at a meeting. It's much easier for me to stay sober than get sober again. And in fact, I really think that I have another relapse in me. I mean, I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict. I absolutely do. But I don't have another recovery. And that's what's keeping me here. And it's so much easier for me to stay than to go back out and come back in. Um, Another thing you mentioned was his age. You know, all of those things like 21st birthday, weddings, parties, liquid lunches, all of these outings, he can still go be social without being fucked up. You know, and just like you were saying, that is part of our past. It doesn't have to be part of his future, you know, and it's something that he's not necessarily missing, but that's a yet for him. Getting so drunk at a wedding that people talk about you more than they talk about the people getting married. Like, I may or may not have done that before. And that's a yet for him, just like heroin's a yet for me. You know, and it's something that I don't have to do because I'm working my program today. And he just doesn't have to do that because I think you have an excellent point that he chose his bottom and all of us get to choose our bottom. There's the saying, like, we get to decide when to get off the elevator and start taking the steps. Yeah, and and the thing that I left out was that you that he he doesn't experience you know get to experience those things but he doesn't have to experience what you just said about that waking up the next day and going oh shit and go and that that it's it that is it was one of the most sobering things ever you know it gets you right through a hangover when it, when you're like oh my god what did i do what did i say how bad was it you know, and it just, that, that part, that's the other, that's the part that, you know, is, is very convenient. The, the further we get, you know, uh, down the road in sobriety, the closer we get to a drink because that idea becomes romantic, you know, Sunday or is at my, uh, parents' house and my, you know, they're having, people are having a couple of beers and I just, I, I looked over and I was just like, damn, I can't have a beer watching football. And then I was like, so what? Who cares? Like, because it wasn't going to be one beer. I would have needed more. And then that, like, it's just, it's just, you don't need, you don't need it if you don't want it. And we, we don't have to do this. We, you only have to do it for as long as you're willing to put your body and your family and your mind through it. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. And for anyone listening, if you're interested in sober living or want to connect with Alex, um, we are going to uh, put his social media up in the episode description so you can reach out to him. If you have any questions, you can email us at SoberSolutionsPodcast at gmail.com. And as always, each and every one of our episodes is dedicated to the still sick and suffering alcoholic and addict, especially the individual who's going to pick up for the first time tonight. Have a great night, guys. Have a good night. We appreciate your liking and subscribing to our podcast. If you liked what you heard today and would like to support our podcast, feel free to Venmo a dollar to our virtual basket at Sober Solutions Podcast. We want to hear from you too. If you have a comment, question, topic, or would like to come on the show, find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Sober Solutions Podcast. Or you can shoot us an email to sobersolutionspodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Apple Podcast and Spotify 
And if you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show.